and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to yours. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. All right, take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings chapter 18. So we sort of built up to this record last week, looking at the prophet of the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was that wonderful prophet who God gave him revelation that it would not rain for the space of three years and six months. It wouldn't rain until he prayed again. And that he prayed for it to not rain and believed God for that entire time, which turned out to be three years and six months, that it would not. And at the end of that time, at the end of that three years and six months, then God has Elijah go show himself to the king Ahab. And that's where we're going to pick it up here this evening in 1 Kings chapter 18. And in verse 17, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? So Ahab is the king the king of Israel. The king that we learned last week was so bad that he, all the others before him that had done idolatry um, didn't stack up to him. God said that everybody else, he was worse than all of theirs combined, basically. Just a terrible, terrible king, a terrible idolater, whose wife Jezebel has, by this point, been responsible for the death of as many prophets as she could find. Obadiah, the man who sort of led um, Elijah, after Elijah convinced him to, to Ahab, had hid a hundred of those prophets, but she was just going around killing anybody that believed God. And just terrible people, a terrible situation, and that's why it hasn't rained for that three years and six months. And now God's telling him to show himself, and when he sees Ahab, the first thing Ahab says, you're that guy that's caused all the problems. <laughs> you're the guy that's caused all the trouble. Hmm. Was Elijah the one that caused the trouble, or Ahab? Ahab. Ahab. Yeah, Elijah prayed as God had told him to. But the reason why everything bad was happening to Israel wasn't because Elijah had prayed. It's because Ahab and Jezebel had led Israel into such idolatry, such great sin. There are many things that God can tolerate. The one thing he could never tolerate, never will, is idolatry. Idolatry is just, that's the very bottom, bottom of the, of the spiritual totem pole. God could not put up with it. And it was Ahab who was responsible for that and everything that came along with it as a consequence of it. You know, I love Elijah. I love what a wonderful man of God he was and have great respect for him. 
And certainly the miracles that Elijah did were incredible. And I love him for that. But what I love him the most for is his boldness, his unflinching willingness to speak the truth no matter what. No matter who it was, no matter what they could do to him, no matter what the circumstance, he's not scared, he's not intimidated, he just tells it as it is. And he takes a stand. He takes a stand. Can you imagine what that would be like to be in that circumstance? To be in that circumstance where the whole country, the whole country is completely against you. You know, sometimes we look around and we say, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many unbelievers around us. It's, it's so tough just standing in our, in our place, in our city, in our community. But imagine if everybody was idolatrous. Imagine if they're all worshiping other gods. And if on top of that, as if that wouldn't be difficult enough to, to just get by in life, now imagine that the government is seeking out anybody that does believe in the true God and speak for him and having them put to death. Now imagine yourself coming face to face with that king, that leader who has been hunting for you to put you to death. And there you are, and there he is, and he says, I found you. I've got you. You're that one who's caused all the trouble. And what does Elijah do? And he answered, verse 18, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. He tells him just like it is. He shoots straight from the hip and he says, I'm not the one that's done it. You're the one that's caused all the problems. Now, therefore... Send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. Get everybody together. Let's, let's have this out once and for all. Let's have a big showdown here. And the prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the grove, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So you've got 450 prophets of Baal and then 400 prophets of the groves, which are a bunch of different gods. So you've got 850 false prophets, wicked prophets, idolatrous prophets. 400 of them eat at Jezebel's table. She had to have one big table, right? They were, in other words, they were, they were in like this with Jezebel, you know? They didn't necessarily all eat there at the same time. But they were all that close. They were all that close to her. That's how she was. She had embraced this. She had persuaded um, Ahab to be even worse than he was before that. And Elijah says, get everybody together. Bring them all together. All of Israel and all of those prophets. And we're going to have it out. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. He says, okay, fine, I'm good with that. We, they can watch me tear you apart. And Elijah came unto all the people. Here's Elijah. <laughs> you know, I was once in, 
I don't know if I should share this or not. Well, I was once in a fight where I was surrounded by a hundred, it had to be at least a hundred. I, I couldn't have picked a stupider place to do this, okay? And I won't get into all the detail right now. But I, I must have been surrounded by a hundred guys that wanted the other guy I was fighting to win. <laughs> and made that very clear, very loudly. It was very intimidating. That was a very intimidating situation to be in. Picture Elijah here, and he's surrounded by all of Israel and these 450 false prophets that all want to see them beat Elijah. And Elijah said, How long will ye halt? How long halt ye between two opinions? How long, he says to Israel, are you going to sit on the fence? When are you going to make up your mind? When are you going to make up your mind? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Make up your mind. If you think that the Lord, Jehovah, is God, then follow him. If you're, if you're convinced that it's not, if you're convinced that it's Baal, then fine, be done with it. Follow him. But make up your mind. And the people answered him not a word, because they still wouldn't make up their mind. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, because Jezebel took care of the rest. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves. They can get first pick and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. So get that bullock, and we're going to have a sacrifice here, but we're going to do it a little bit different than you've ever seen this done before. Let them get it, get them prepared, cut it in pieces, lay it on the altar, but don't light the fire. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Let's put, I'm willing to put my God up against your gods. I'm willing to put this to a test. All of you guys, you can all call on your God to light the fire, and I'll call on mine, and we'll see whose fire gets lit here. No matches. It's just going to be your God or my God that can light a fire. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Sounds like a good idea. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose ye one bullock for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. Okay, you guys go first. Do what I said. Just nobody light that fire. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. From morning, I don't know what time in the morning this started, even if we want to say 8 in the morning. They probably got up earlier than we do. <laughs> from 8 in the morning till noon, these guys are calling, O Baal, hear us. 450 prophets, 450, just picture that sound. 
imagine that sound in your ears. But there was no voice, nor any, that answered. All morning long they're calling, but nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. They're not seeing a spark. They're not hearing anything from their God. Nothing's happening. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. These guys are getting all excited. You know, they're all, you can, you know, doing everything they can. Dancing around, whatever, jumping on the altar. There they are doing everything to get the attention of their God. And it came to pass at noon, verse 27, that Elijah mocked them. <laughs> this I really enjoy, okay? It's great enough that Elijah's having this confrontation, but the fact that now he's just going to make fun of these guys, that he's just going to mock them, that, that just is the icing on the cake for me. And he said, cry aloud, a little bit louder, guys, for he's a god. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. You know, he's busy. He's, he's out talking to somebody. He's, he's on a journey. Or, or maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe you got to ring a bell to wake him up. And yes, that is why that's the real origin of those bells in those towers, in those belfries, is to wake up God's. That's where it comes from. It comes from, from idolatry. Mm. I know some people won't like that, but that's the fact. Verse 28. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancelets till the blood gushed out upon them. So they think, we, you know, we have to do something more. He's not answering us. So, so we have to show him how how much we're willing to sacrifice our own flesh. And so they're cutting themselves, you know, all taken over by these spirits, cutting themselves to, to get their gods to pay some attention. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now, this is going on, on all the way till the time of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. All day long, and nothing happens for them. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. Everybody come here. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down, because these guys not only jumped on their own altar, they jumped and broke down his altar, so he had to build it up again. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Even though there wasn't 12 tribes left in Israel now, there were only 10. Two of them were Judah. He takes 12 stones signifying the 12 tribes. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. So he builds the altar, and then he digs this trench, like a, a, a moat is going to be what it's like here around this altar. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Okay. I know that every guy here has had some charcoal that he's tried to light at some point that was a little bit damp. And how, how well did that work? 
With charcoal that's just a little bit damp, you can't get that to light to save your life. Here he is getting ready to, to light this fire, and he has four barrels of water poured on top of it. And verse 34, he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. So now we've got eight barrels of water. You can just picture these barrels, great big barrels of water poured on this. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. Now we're up to 12 barrels of water. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. He's got so much water, it's filling down everything, and he fills all the trench with water all around it. Everything is just as soaked and wet as it could possibly be. And it came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. He did all these things at God's word. This wasn't his own idea. This wasn't his own way that he thought it would look dramatic. This was, again, done by revelation. God said, this is just how I want you to do it. This is how this is going to get done. And he prays and says, God, I've done this. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Let them see that you're God and turn their hearts back to you with the showing with the proof of your power. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When he prays, something happens. God sends fire from heaven. Man, wouldn't you like to see that, you know? I, I trust when we get to heaven, we'll get to see a replay of this stuff or something. But fire from heaven that comes and just burns up everything, just so hot, everything, even the stones themselves are just gone. Verse 39. And when the people saw it, and <laughs> they fell on their faces... <laughs> And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. <laughs> I don't know why anybody ever, th I, I didn't say he ever was. Well, maybe it was him, you know. <laughs> and Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. Wasn't that where he had been? Was that the brook that he had been at? Where he was, the ravens came? I have to go back and check. Brought them to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, right now, he's saying it, but you can bet there's no sound of rain in anybody's ears but his. <laughs> there's not a cloud in the sky when he's saying this. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Verse 43. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. 
And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing to be out. There's no, you know, big storm coming in from the sea, no big rain coming in that way. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, and it wasn't the first, the second, it wasn't like each time it got a little closer, that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. Just a little cloud about the size of a guy's hand. That's, that's all there is to see. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Get moving because that rain's coming and you better get going quick. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And you can bet that it was a real great rain. When God says it was a great rain, man, it was, it was one that you wanted to make sure you had a good umbrella. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. There's this great showdown, this great showdown where here it is, <clears throat> Elijah takes the stand and God backs him up and shows and proves that he is God. And, you know, it sort of would like that the story ended there and, and all of Israel was back to believing the true God and from that point on they behaved themselves and loved and worshipped the true God and and Elijah was just able to rejoice in that and, you know, just kind of spend the rest of his days in a nice rocking chair and, and relax. But that's not what happens, you know. Yes, he brought him back for that day, but it doesn't take long before things are right back to where they were. Look at chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. I can just see that guy going there and... It was a bad day. Oh, you should have seen what he did. He made me look bad. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword, and then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I will not make thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She said, You know, as I, uh, as I live and breathe, you're going to be just like one of those guys by tomorrow. You're going to be dead. I'm going to have your life. Verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And for most people, that doesn't mean much. But in the east, a juniper tree is very significant. You sat down under a juniper tree when you were ready to just cash in your chips, when you had, were done, when you were done, when you were totally despair and despair and disgust and fed up and just despondent. That's when you went and sat under a juniper tree. If you wanted wisdom, you sat under an oak tree. Different trees had different significance. But a juniper tree, you only sat under that to show that you were just ready to call it a day. And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. 
Uh, God, I've had it. I, I give up. I give up. He's ready to just call it quits. He said, take away my life. I'm ready to die. I'm not able to accomplish anything more than the prophets that came before me, my fathers. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. He probably thought, well, I'll have one last meal here before I go ahead and die. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Says, you got to eat some more. You got some places to go. There's more ahead of you. You got more to do. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Must have been a good meal, huh? But <clears throat> the 40 days and 40 nights, you know, by now you, you all know the significance of that 40. It's a time of trial, a time of proving. 40 days and 40 nights, just like Jesus Christ was in the wilderness for that time. 40 is always the significant in that way. And it's so wonderful the way everything in God's Word is just such significance. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What's going on? What's the matter? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slayed thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He says, this, you know, this is what's going on, God. I can't change anybody's mind. And he, God, said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. You know, when it comes to most people and what they think it would be like if God ever talked to them, that's how they picture it. It would be the mountains shaking. It would be the great wind. It would be a great earthquake. It would be a great fire, a burning bush at least. That's how God would talk to them. But that's not how God did it. Not, that's not how he did it here with Elijah, and that's not how he does it today. And after the fire in verse 12, the latter part, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God. And he goes through this whole thing, rehearses it again. Verse 15. And the Lord God said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint his hazel to be king over Syria. And these other guys to be so to other places, including Elisha, the son of Shaphat, thou shalt anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu kill, slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha say, slay. Yet have I left, meaning reserve me, 7,000 in Israel, 
all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Elijah was ready to call it quits because he thought, I've, I haven't accomplished anything. Everybody's just turned right back and worshiped the false gods. But God tells him, Elijah, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You, you don't know it. But there's 7,000 people I have out there still that I have left to me that haven't bowed down, that haven't gone kissing Baal, that haven't worshipped other gods, and you still have something to do. And Elijah continues on in his ministry, but now, while he's doing it, he's training his replacement, Elisha. And Elisha is the great prophet that comes after Elijah, and Elijah does a good job training him because Elisha ends up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah. But what a wonderful man Elijah was that he stood for God in that way. And God, you know, no matter, no matter how down Elijah got, God didn't forsake him. God didn't give up on him, even when Elijah would kind of just as soon as he did. He still spoke to him. He came in that still small voice to comfort him, to give him more direction, to give him more guidance so that Elijah could continue to stand for him and proclaim him to all of Israel. God bless. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.